I have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Got a little video to show you as we start this morning. It's not a word I'd use to describe myself. I wondered why anyone would ever love me, much less like me. I didn't even like myself. I felt so empty and alone. So I used anything, anyone to fill the void. But God saw more in me than I did. And now I have changed in the best sort of way. I'm permanently marked. Christ made me new. Welcome to our second week in our series, New. I'm guessing that some of you may have hit the point where I've hit several times in my life where I could just use a start over. Anybody? It'd be great to have a start over. When I, how many of you like to play video games? Uh, I, until they got real complicated, I loved playing them. You know, when it was one button or two buttons, now you gotta, you got to know, oh, there's way too much to do. I can't. My kids love playing me because they can beat me all the time. But what I love doing in, in video games is that, uh, and I don't know, maybe you were the same way, I'd get to a certain point and I couldn't go any further, so I'd just restart the game. <laughs> I figured I deserved it, right? I mean, after all, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the king of the game, so I'm going to go back and start all over, and here we go. But uh, the good news in life is if you start going down the wrong way, you're not stuck with that. Because when God comes into the scene, when God comes on the scene, and when God comes into your life through His Son, Jesus Christ, he can actually give you that new start, that restart that you want and you need. He can do that. He's very capable of doing that. Let's review our key verse for the series, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. I think we have them up on the screen this week. Had a little bit of a glitch uh, last week, but uh, understand. At one time, we thought of Christ from merely a human point in time. In other words, so many people do that today. They think about Jesus being a good moral person or a good teacher or whatever. But Paul said, how differently we, how differently what? Say it out loud. We know him when? Ooh. How differently we know him now. It's not that we just know him, but we know him now. It's a relationship. Marriages are relationships, and relationships have fun days and not so fun days. Yeah. Seems like we have more not so fun days. Gotcha. Everybody wants the honeymoon to last forever, amen? I mean, that's great on the honeymoon. Everything's good. Everybody's pretty. And then you got to come home and have life together. Bills have to be paid. Sickness has to occur. Uh, amen? Our little Braden, our grandson's been running a fever, and I don't know why. I looked at Cindy last night, I said, why is he running a fever? She said, well, I don't know. I said, well, you're the mom. You're supposed to know. You're supposed to know these things. I said, I'm not handling this very well, that my little grandson has a fever. He needs not have a fever. And she said, well, you just go in there and check on him. I said, no, if I go in there, I'll wake him up. She said, well, then go, don't go in there. I said, I'm not going to go in there, but you, you need to go in there. She said, well, I'll wake him up. I said, it doesn't matter. You go wake him up. 
He looked fine this morning. They're kind of like that, aren't they? They're just kind of like that. But God knows us. He's in a relationship with us. And anyone who belongs to Christ, what's the latter part of that verse say? Is a new person. The old is gone. New has come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you may not change on the outside. You may still look the same on the, on the outside. I'm sorry, I can't do anything about that. Baptized Earl Murray back in the swimming pool uh, over Peggy and Kim's house. And when he came up out of the water, I said, how you feeling? He said, man, this is great. I said, sorry, I can't change anything on the outside, brother, but we've done clean the inside. And he just said, well, that's okay. That's all right. But when that inside gets clean, everything changes even on the outside, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. God takes our sin, our old life, doesn't remember it anymore, casts it into the sea of forgetfulness. And man, that's awesome. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And as we're in this second week in our series new, I want to tell you what you're go- we're going to do uh, today and next week. Uh, next week, we're going to talk very specifically about what do you do when you know you're new in Christ, but you don't feel new in Christ. What do you do about that? Today I'm going to kind of do what I did last week. I'm going to share a few more stories with you that I've encountered through preachers in uh, various churches across the country. And boy, these are powerful stories. I just could not not tell them to you. But you know, I've attached scripture to them because it's really important too to understand that. So let's jump right in there. The first one I'm going to call is a second chance of life. A second chance at life. Pastor begins to speak in the article and he says God is doing some amazing things at our church and it's an honor to be a part of those and God is changing so many lives one of those lives is Tommy Cannon I met Tommy and his wife Melissa at our open door event and they sat across the table from me and told an unbelievable story of life change six months ago Tommy was in a motorcycle wreck that changed his life it broke his back broke his neck broke his sternum it broke his ribs he was life flighted to the hospital where his wife Melissa and his family met with doctors there and they said Tommy may not live through this, but if he can make it for seven days, there's hope. Well, Tommy did make it for seven days, but on the tenth day, he had an aneurysm in his brain that led to him having a coma, or being in a coma. And so Tommy, while he was in this coma, God was dealing with him. And one day, he opened his eyes, and a couple days later, Tommy was able to raise a hand, and Tommy's family knew that God was at work in his life. But you see, before now, Tommy had never even believed in God, but there were thousands and thousands of people around the world who were praying for Tommy when they heard his story. And one day, as God was healing Tommy's body, he did something even more. Tommy was in the hospital, laying in the bed, and there he had a very real encounter with God that changed his life. In fact, when his wife Melissa walked into his room, he said, when I get out of this hospital, the first Sunday that that there is, I want to go to church. And Tommy made good on that promise. He came to our church this past December. They walked into that room and at the end of the service, he raised his hand and said, I want to commit my life to following Jesus. As Tommy and Melissa were sharing their story, the only question that Tommy had was, when can I get baptized? And as I sat there listening to their story, being blown away at what God had done in their life, a couple of things stood out. Melissa stood out, the preacher said. She sat there and said, you know what? Out of this terrible, terrible circumstance, God was able to do so much more than we ever even imagined He would be able to do. I could not believe 
that not only has God miraculously healed this man's body, he has done more in the fact that he and his family are forever changed. At our church, God is changing lives, and I'm excited to be a part of that. Isn't that a great story? I could go through our church right here, and I could point to some lives that God is changing as well. And why is he doing that? Why is God changing the lives of people? It's because they want it to change. They're tired of living the way they used to live, and now they want to live a different way. But it's hard work. It doesn't come easy. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures is Romans 8.28. We know that in all things, and I love the word all there. It doesn't say in some things. In all things. Some of you right now, you're in the middle of an all things. <laughs> Something you wouldn't really want to choose to happen, but it's happening in your life. And you, know, you see, marriages or in friendships or in any relationship, there's got to be give and take. Amen? God expe- let's, go, let's go to the relationship with God. God expects us to be certain ways, and yet we are always in the, in the battle, uh, middle of battling that the way God wants us to go. Because we want it on our terms. We want it the way we want it. And yet God says, if you'll do it my way, it'll work better. But we say, no, we're going to do it my way because we're still creatures of choice. And yet then when we surrender and do it God's way, it all, it all works out, doesn't it? Smooths out. So men, if you're having trouble at home, just listen to God. He's talking to you through your wife. <laughs> Some of you catch on to that. Wives, listen to your husband. He's talking to you through your husband. Because see, it takes give and take. It takes give and take in all relationships. You've got to work at that, amen? And you've got to work at that relationship with God. It's give and take. But as more, the more you give, the more you get to take away. That's what I love about God. The more you surrender, the more He gives to you. Oh, it's an awesome thing. But that verse says, God works for the good of those who, what? Love Him and have been called according to His purpose. I love the story that out of tragedy in Tommy's life, God does something that is incredibly good. It's a powerful story. Much like the story of the Old Testament that these young people got to study about at CIY this this year. The story of Joseph. Young guy, he's, he's the youngest at this time. His brothers don't like him, so they decide they're going to throw him into a pit and let him die. That's really, really bad. Then the nice, one of the nice brothers says, let's not kill him or leave him for dead. Let's just sell him into slavery. Well, that's really, really bad. Then he's falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit and he's put into prison. That's kind of really bad. And through an incredibly odd series of events, when he's interpreting a dream, God elevates him to be second in charge over all of Egypt. And suddenly, through, his, through this weird series of real, really bad and painful events, he's able to help during a famine to feed hundreds and hundreds of people and literally save thousands of lives. And years later, when his brothers come and they look at him, they say, Oh man, I can't believe that this is you. We've messed up in such a big way. And Joseph looks at them and says, What you meant for evil... God used for good. So you see, when Satan begins to sift you in your walk and in your life and in your relationships, it's because he needs you to get closer to him. 
Quit running from Him. Quit blocking Him. Quit putting up walls against Him. Surrender to Him. That is to the Lord. Some of you right now, you're going through some really, really, really hard stuff. You're not sure how you're going to get out of it. You're not sure if you can get out of it. But what I want you to know is our God is so good that one day I believe that you'll look back at this very difficult time in your life and you'll be able to say, hey, I can see the hand of God working. I can see the hand of God working. How many of you would say, that's happened to me? You've, looked, you've gone through a bad time and looked back and went, oh, I see it. Oh, I see it. See, our God is so big, he does, he does new things all the time. He can bring even good out of the worst things that go through our life. And in fact, it's what the Scripture in Isaiah 43, 19 says. God says, Behold. Now check it out. Everybody look. Behold, I am doing what? Say it out loud. I am doing a new thing. I need you all. Come on. Say it again. I'm doing a new thing. There you go. There you go. I'm doing a new thing. It springs forth. Our God is doing new things all over the world. Let's move into our next story. I call it a new way of doing church. The pastor's name is Terry Payne. One particular story that he shares is about a lady, a dear friend of his named Nancy. The very first Sunday she came, uh, Pastor Terry said, I, I see her hand shoot up when we did the altar call and she accepted Christ as her Savior. And I caught Nancy afterwards and said, Nancy, when's the last time you have been to church? She said, it's been 50 years. She said, and how old are you, Nancy? She said, I'm 70 years old. And it's just since that point we've become close friends, the preacher says. She now serves on our host team, and she's in a small group study, and it's amazing to see God change lives. So I'd, I'd just like to say, she says, thank you so much for everything that you do. Isn't that a great story? 70-year-old lady comes to know God, and a lot of people say, well, you know, if you get that old, you're never going to come. Really? Really? Don't give up? <laughs> don't give up. Pray for my brother over 30 years and he was getting close to 70 before he accepted Christ as his Savior. So never give up. Never and ever give up. Because you don't know when. But God does. He wants us to be faithful. Be persistent. I want you to know that nobody, no matter what age they are, is out of reach of God. Nobody. God can reach anybody, any place, any time. Do you believe that? He can do it. I just want to encourage you to keep praying and praying and praying for people to find new life in Christ. If there's one thing that I think is amiss in our church is that we just don't have this spirit of evangelism. We need to be praying for the lost. How many of you cry out to the Lord for the lost every week? Don't raise your hand. But how many of you do that? How many of you spend time? Lord, would you send new people? God, would you send the lost? Would you help us find them? Would you help us lead them to your cross? Lord, would you help? You see, because he can't do that because we may not be equipped to handle that. I'm telling you, the church needs us to be better equipped. God needs us to be better equipped. But the first thing he needs us to do is even, do, do we even care enough to pray for him? Do we even pray enough, care enough to pray for him? If you do pray for yourself, it reflects a lot. What we pray for reflects what you believe about God. What you, what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. 
So if you only pray for yourself, you're really saying, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me. And God bless the four of us, but no more. Because if, if that's what you pray for, then you're basically saying, I believe God primarily exists to meet my needs. Because you know what? I'm, more, I'm the most important aspect of anything that goes on at that church. Or in this house, or in this life, I'm the only one that's important. So, here you go. Just, just let me have it. But when we get outside ourselves, that's when we get to see God move. Yeah, that's when we get to see God move. Because if you don't pray, and you might say, well, I, I just don't pray that much. Then what does that say about you? It says that you really don't believe in God or don't believe that He's active or involved in this world. If you don't pray much, that's saying something as well. So if you say, well, man, things are, things are bad, so all we can do now is call on God. What do you, what do you wait till you're in trouble? Then you call on Him? I only call on God when I, when I really need Him. Well, how about in the good times? You calling out to God then? We live in such a self-centered world. I love it that the Congress of America, they're great, aren't they, in Washington? They're fabulous leaders, aren't they? They've decided to exempt themselves from a law by just a vote. Well, by golly, we don't think we should have to live under this law. So by golly, we're just going to vote ourselves out. And they did. That was awesome. So when the IRS calls you next year to want money, just say, oh, I decide I'm not going to give it to you. <clears throat> I'm just following the lead of Congress. They told you they weren't going to. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give you anything. <laughs> They'll have you in shackles and in the jail, right? Yeah. Isn't it amazing how self-centered that is? How selfish that is? Wow. What we pray for reflects what we believe. For some people, it wouldn't be anything. For some, it would be just maybe your life. For others, God would be bringing revivals in churches and impacting communities. There would be orphans being adopted around the world. There would be those who are in need, that their needs are being met. What, are, what do you pray for reflects what you believe about God? Are you praying for things beyond yourself, beyond your four walls? Mm. We saw a, a little movie at camp that, uh, or at CIY that just, just broke my heart. The boy in India and how he grew up. Sold to, from, his dad sold him to another guy for a sack of rice so that the other sisters, the, her, his two sisters, could be fed. And then the mistreatment that this kid went under. It's, it's amazing. We're going to show it to you here for too long. It'll break your heart. But I really want to encourage you to be a church full of people that pray. We need to be a praying church. Now, I know we pray. I know we like to pray. And we do pray. And we see good results from prayer. Yes, we do. But we need to expand that. We need to do more. We need to pray more. And we need to pray more specifically about certain things. Next story that I want to tell you and share with you is called The Power of Prayer. The preacher starts off by saying story from our church is about a guy named Miguel. Miguel faithfully serves in our church in various ministries. And Miguel's story starts like this. One night he was in his living room flipping through the channels on TV and landed on MTV about a documentary that they do about guys that are in prison and their lives and how they got there and so forth. 
And God lays it on his heart to pray for this man who is watching. He's watching in the story, and the man's name is Chaz. So Miguel thinks that it's kind of strange, but he starts praying for, for Chaz. And for weeks and even months afterward, he's praying for Chaz. And when, he, and when he would let up, he would literally feel God say, no, I want you to continue to pray for Chaz. And in fact, I want you to pray more. Pray even more. Pray that you have an opportunity to minister to this guy and, and that you'll minister into his life. And so once again, as strange as it was, Miguel keeps praying and is faithful to pray for this guy he saw on TV who was in prison all the way out in California. So one night, Miguel's coming to church and he's meeting his friends. He's walking in, he's walking down and worship's already going on. He gets to his row where he, his friends are sitting. He looks down at the end of that row. Guess who's standing right there? Chaz, the guy that he's been praying about and praying for for months. So Miguel does a double take, a triple take, and the tears start to flow as he can't believe that this man that he's been praying for all these months, God's brought him to the same church a few seats down the road from him. So he listens to the message, and in just an incredible place, obviously spiritually, emotionally, he walks up to Chaz afterwards, and he lets Chaz know that he's been praying for him for all these months, and actually enters into a discipling kind of relationship with him, and is able to make a difference in his life. Isn't it amazing when we're obedient and we believe in the power of prayer what God can do? Our God's an amazing God, is He not? What a story. What a story. That you would be praying for somebody that's, that's not even close to you, that's a number of states away, and then one day you walk into church and boom, they're sitting there. It's not above God to do th all kinds of things like that, right? But if we're never praying, why is He going to do it? And why would he do it if we're not praying and believing, trusting, leaning? I'm here to tell you that power, prayer is powerful and prayer works. You know it works. Amen. You know it works. You've seen it. You've seen it in your own life. You've seen it in the lives of others. You've seen healing happen in your life and others right here in our church. You've seen it. You've seen demons removed from people in the church. You have. You've seen it. I don't know what's going to happen now that we're calling you up here to pray and you call out to God. <laughs> oh man, we're shaking, the, we're shaking the chains of hell. I love it. I love it. I love to shake the gates of hell. I love it. Because we do it through prayer. But guess what? When we shake those gates, guess what the demons do? They don't like it. But our God is greater. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The cross is our victory. <laughs> we don't have to worry about what the demons are going to do. Well, they're going to kill you. Wonderful. Get to go to heaven. How many of you want to sign up today? <laughs> I didn't think so. I'm here to tell you that sometimes those that look the farthest are actually the closest, that those who look like they're on the run are really running toward God. Because when we pray and pray and pray and pray, something happens. How many of you in our church are praying for this church to grow? A living organism is supposed to grow. It's not supposed to stay the same or lose ground. If everybody in this church would begin to pray for the church to grow, God would move and respond. But I know one thing for sure. Unless I grow, the church can't grow. Unless you grow, 
the church can't grow. Unless we grow, the church can't grow. Won't grow. So, I know some of you invite. I know some of you encourage. What if all of us are doing that? You see, God has to get this church ready to receive new guests. God has to get us ready to handle the influx of people who might come. But if it's still all about us, <laughs> if it's still all about us. You see, if we, could, if we could just gain 20 to 25 families, we'd have to go to a sec, uh, an early service. That's all we need, 20 to 25 more families to come on a regular basis. Guess what? We're going to an early service. And some of you just shout hallelujah because you get up early and get her done. Here we go. Be awesome. And let's fill, let's fill both of those up and then we'll go to another one. Then we'll fill both, all those up and we'll go to another one. Wouldn't that be fun? I don't have to have a big old building. We just keep having all kinds of services. Amen? That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Some of you might come and stay for all of them. We count you four times. Come on. You multiply yourself all day long. Come on. It'd be great. You see what I'm saying? Or do we just sit back and fold our arms and say, nope, I'm content. We did like we are right now. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. That ain't what God wants. That ain't what God wants. Let me try to bring this home a little bit. I'm going to raise some questions. What, why, and how? Everybody say what? Everybody say why? Everybody say how? What is it that we're called to do by God? Keep it really simple. Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. Right after the resurrection, before He ascends to heaven, Jesus says, Therefore, go. Everybody say that. Go. Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. That is an active calling that God gives us as the church. We are not supposed to come into Christ and sit back and fold our arms and hope something else happens. We're supposed to be actively involved in calling people to God. Amen? All of you. Amen? I'll wait for all of you. Amen? Now we're cooking. We don't just open the doors and wait for people to come to church. We go out there and we compel them to come to church. That means you offer them an invitation. That means if they won't come, you grab them in a headlock and you drag them in. I don't know what it means to bring them here, but let's get them here. Do you want them here? Or do we care about them enough? Are we, do we care that they're lost and going to hell? Or are we just satisfied where we are? Oh, I pray we're not. I pray we're not satisfied. I pray that we're going to find the fire of God building in us because we can't contain it. It's an active call that God gives to us as the church. We need to be helping people become fully devoted followers or disciples of Jesus. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. They're fully devoted followers. And when we know Him, our lifestyles change. That's the what. What about the why? Why do we do it? Well, the why is clear. It's in 2 Peter 3, 9. It says, the Lord is patient with you. Now, I don't know if you're thankful for the patience of God, but I am. I'm really thankful that He's patient with me. Because it's always, I'll get in my office and I'll start to pray and it seems like my prayers are just about me. Got my lip puckered out. I'm on my pity pot and I'm just praying about me. And pretty soon, I feel the warmth of the Spirit of God saying, really? Really? And then then He'll bring somebody to my mind and to my heart. He'll cross my heart that I know is lost. 
And then they'll say, do you care enough? Oh, oh. Quit, quit, quit doing that, God. Quit, <laughs> quit doing that. And so then I have to get the focus off of me and I have to start praying for that person that's lost. Oh. Are you with me? Are you with me so far? Have I left you somewhere? The Lord, it says, is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to what? Come. Say it again. Everyone come. He doesn't want anybody to perish. His love is the why. His great commission is the what. But guess what? God will never show us. He'll never show us the how. He never says, this is how I want you to do it. I want you to go. I want you to get it done. Here's why. Because it's exactly the way that I want you to do it. And I'm telling you, in my time as the pastor of this church, I believe, I really believe that the greatest intent of everybody's heart in this church is that our church grow. I really do. I believe you would believe that. If I said to you, how many of you want this church to grow? You'll raise your hand. Every one of you would do that. But then we've got to be active about what we say we want. If you say you want to lose weight, you're never going to lose weight by eating Brahms ice cream every day. Sorry, not going to happen. I had to give up butter brickle ice cream. Don't like it, but I had to. I can't eat fries anymore. Oh, I love French fries. And they love me. I love quarter pounders. Because I am a quarter pounder. I don't want to eat salad with diced chicken on top all the time. But I sure like wearing my skinny pants. I don't like losing all my hair, but I like losing my I wear my skinny In fact, when I go work out, if I wear my big clothes, the women over there that work out with us, they don't like it when I bring, wear my big clothes. They want me to wear tight clothes. I told them they're nuts. Anybody would notice? Oh, they notice. I saw somebody I hadn't seen in six months the other day. <laughs> I walked by them because they didn't recognize who I was. That's fun. I stopped and said, well, thanks for saying hello. They said, well, I know that voice. I love it. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Do we care enough? So far as we can tell, we'll do anything in this church but sin in order to reach people who don't know Christ. I, I really believe that we have that as, as part of our life. But is it really who we are? Does it define who we are as a church? Yeah, I think we say it, but is it really a part of us? Let me go to the last story. Going to all the world is the title of the story. And, and I want to show you how technology is helping with this. The pastor says, we have an outreach online and I want to tell you a story how God used the, that medium to reach a person's heart. We had a young man who was living in the Philippines. He was just in a bad place in his life, struggling with depression, so much so he decided to commit suicide. And Well, for some reason, he ended up finding our church online and he ended up landing on our site. He began to see the worship, began to hear the Word of God, and he started asking questions to the volunteers online. And he asked, what's this about? The volunteers began to talk to him. He realized that he needed some prayer, and so they got into a one-on-one -on -one live prayer session online, and one of the volunteers began to talk to him and pray with him, and God did something wonderful right then and there. In that live prayer situation online, he gave his life to Jesus Christ, and it didn't end there. Because he was so excited, he wanted to know if, anyone, if, they, if they knew anyone in the Philippines that he could 
connect with. So they got on Facebook, they got connected with the church in the Philippines and got the two of them together, introduced them, and the guy's life was completely changed. Today, that young man, the preacher says, is alive because of digital missions and what God can do using technology. Some of you have asked, why have we put monitors around? Why do we have a camera in the back broadcasting our, our service? Why are we doing all that stuff? It's so we can reach one more. So we can reach one more. When this room fills up, I want to be able to put them over there and they still stay in the service. When that room fills up, I want to put them in the other one and stay in the service. And if you say, well, it'll never happen. Oh, that's right, it'll never happen as long as we say that. But if we pray <laughs> and we believe, God can do immeasurably more than we hope or ask. Than we hope or ask. I just, want to add, I just want to say to you that we serve an amazing God, don't we? We serve an amazing God, a God who makes a way when no one else sees a way. We serve a God who makes all things new. It means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you for the new life available to us through your Son, Jesus. We pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to people who are hurting today. As I think back about what we've talked about, the verses from your Word and stories, it's been pretty dramatic. A guy in a motorcycle accident that shouldn't have lived but did finds new life in your son Jesus. 70-year-old lady who after 50 years comes back to church. Life is transformed. A guy in prison in another state wanders into a church and meets the guy who's been praying for him for months. His life is transformed. Then there's a guy in a country who meets Christ through an online church. Truly, truly, your power is amazing. I believe there are some people in this room this morning who are in a tough spot right now. It may not be as extreme as some of these stories that we've talked about, but nevertheless, it's extreme to them. But they're at a place where they really need to experience the presence and power, God, that you have. Just like those that we've heard about in our stories today. There may not seem to be a way for them, but they need a God who can make a way. I'm just going to ask if there's somebody like that in this room this morning with all heads bowed and eyes closed, would they just raise their hand? Would they just lift their hand if, they're, if they feel that way? Something's going on in their life. They need a touch from you. God, today I, I want to lift up these friends in my church family. And God, I ask that when we're weak, that you'll be strong through us. God, I thank you that you're a God that works in all things to bring about good. And God, I know in the middle of the bad, we often can't see the good. And I pray that over time, God, because of your goodness and your grace, that we could truly see you bringing good about those things that are so difficult in the moment. God, we ask that you would build our faith today. God, because you're here, I know your Holy Spirit comforts us. And God, in your presence, we're healed, we're transformed. God, I pray that you would show us your love, your compassions every single day to those who are in need. We'd experience your grace, God, and your goodness as we all pray together. As we're still in an attitude of worship. Nobody looking around. I believe some of you are here today because you really do need what we've talked about. It's time to become a new person, not just a better person, but a new, Christ, new person in Christ. I'm not going to ask you to conform or change your behavior because, you see, Christ takes you just as you are. The Bible never says that you've got you to come perfect. perfect. You've got to 
be different before you ever come. He, he just says, come on. Because none of us are good enough to be in the presence of God. We've all sinned and come short of God's glory. But in Christ, when we call on Jesus, the old is gone and everything becomes new. Anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be made new. And there are those of you who know that God brought you here for that, this moment. You sense it. You know it. Would you say, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness today. And by faith today, I want to give you my life. I want to give you my life. So God, today, would you do something miraculous? Would you do something uplifting? Would you do something special in the lives of your people in this room? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Invitation song, if God's moving in your heart to respond to Him in some way, would you do it as we stand and sing?